This is the World War II Radio Podcast. A date which will live in infamy. This is London. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. Go ahead, Berlin. This is the National Broadcasting Company. Welcome to the World War II Radio Podcast. Today we have British Prime Minister Winston Churchill's address of June 30th, 1943, as it was broadcast over the BBC. He speaks of the sacrifices of the British people, as well as the bonds of freedom that unite the Allies in their war against the Axis powers. He also talks about the role of British subjects in the war and how they have all united to fight the Nazi threat. The World War II Radio Podcast is a Brick Pickle Media production. If you like the show, please leave feedback on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Be sure to visit our website at brickpicklemedia.com slash podcast, where you can find links to past episodes and other information. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash ww2radio. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy today's episode of the World War II Radio Podcast. I am deeply grateful for the kindness with which I am treated, not only here, today, on this, to me, an outstanding occasion, but uh, in the whole discharge of my responsibility. Uh, There is no doubt that this consideration shown to their leader by the British people though far above his deserts, is a very real and practical help in the conduct of the war. It gives me confidence to act and to dare, and that is a draft of life amid many toils and burdens. Of all the wars that we have ever waged in the long continuity of our history, There has never been one which more truly united the entire British nation and British race throughout the world than this present fearful struggle for the freedom and progress of mankind. Alone in history, the British people, taught by the lessons they had learned in the past, have found the means to attach to the motherland vast self-governing dominions upon whom there rests no obligation other than that of sentiment and tradition to plunge into war at the side of the motherland. And none of these dominions uh, except Southern Ireland which does not under its present dispensation fully accepts dominion status, has ever failed to respond with all the vigor of democratic institutions to the trumpet call of a supreme crisis. The, the overpowering influences and impulses that make Canadians, that make Australians, and we have here in Dr. Everett 
her distinguished Australian. that make New Zealanders and South Africans send their manhood across the oceans to fight and die. Three years ago, all over the world, friend and foe alike, everyone who had not the eye of faith might well have deemed our speedy ruin was at hand. Against the triumphant might of Hitler with a greedy Italian at his tail. <laughs> we stood alone with resources so slender that one shudders to enumerate them even now. <clears throat> then surely was the moment for the empire to break up, for each of these widely dispersed communities to seek safety on the winning side, for those who thought themselves oppressed to throw off their yoke and make better terms betimes with the all-conquering Nazi and fascist power. There was the time. But what happened? It was true that the bonds which unite us, though supple as elastic, are stronger than the tensest. But now I must speak of the great republic of the United States, whose power arouses no fear and whose preeminence excites no jealousy in British bosom. <laughs> Upon the fraternal association and intimate alignment of policy of the United States and the British Commonwealth and Empire, depends more than on any other factor the immediate future of the world. If they walk, or if need be, march together in harmony and in accordance with the moral and political conceptions to which the English-speaking peoples have given birth and which are frequently referred to in the Atlantic Charter, all will be well. If they fall apart and wander astray from the commanding beacon lights of their destiny, there is no end or measure to the miseries and confusion which await modern civilization. It is fitting my Lord Mayor, in a singular manner, to speak upon this theme of uh, the fraternal association of Britain and the United States, here amid the proud monuments and prouder ruins of the city of London. Because nothing ever made a warmer feeling between the British and American people than the unflinching resistance of London to the formidable, prolonged assault of the enemy. The phrase, London can take it, and the proof of it that was given, stirred every generous heart in the United States. And their illustrious chief, watching the whole scene of the world with eyes of experience, and conviction 
sustained by the Congress of the United States, came to our aid with the famous Lease Lend Act in a manner most serviceable to the great causes which were at stake. The speech continued, of all our institutions, there is none which has served us better in the hour of need than our ancient monarchy. <laughs> Around which all that we have is centered, and which at the present time is embodied by a king and queen, most truly beloved and honored by all their subjects. <laughs> We all welcome back home our gracious, gallant king from his visit to his victorious armies in Africa. And may I say, none rejoice on his return with more fervor than his minister who, who took the responsibility for advising him not to uh, restrain his royal pleasure in respect of a journey of this peculiar character. <laughs> Later in this speech, he said, Three years ago, Hitler boasted that he would rub out, that was the term, rub out the cities of Britain. And certainly, in the nine months before he abandoned his attack, we suffered very heavy damage to our buildings and uh, grievous hindrance to our life and work. And more than 40,000 of our people were killed and more than 120,000 were wounded. But now those who sowed the wind are reaping the whirlwind. <laughs> in, the, in the first half of this year, which ends today, the Royal Air Force alone has cast upon Germany alone 35 times the tonnage of bombs which in that same six months of this year has been discharged upon this island. Not only has the weight of our offensive bombing grown and its accuracy multiplied, but our measures of defense, tactical and scientific, have improved beyond all compare. During the summer, our main attack is upon that mainspring of German war industry, the Ruhr. But as the nights become longer, and as the United States Air Forces become more numerous, our strong arms will lengthen both by night and by day, and there is no industrial or military target in Germany that what will not receive, as we deem necessary, the utmost application of, of exterminating force. The war, the war industry of Germany is already, uh, to some extent, dispersed in the numerous smaller towns. When the cities are disposed of, 
We shall follow it there. <laughs> Presently, the weight of the Russian air attack, <clears throat> now mainly absorbed on their long, active fighting front, will contribute an additional quota to the total blitz. This is, my Lord Mayor, I can well believe a somber prospect uh, for the German people, and one which Dr. Goebbels is certainly justified in painting in the darkest hues. But when we remind ourselves of the frightful cruelties and tyrannies with which the German armies, their gaulighters and subordinate tormentors, are now afflicting almost all Europe, when we read every week of the mass executions of Poles, Norwegians, Dutchmen, Belgians, Czechoslovakians, Frenchmen, Yugoslavs, and Greeks, when we see these ancient and honored countries whose deeds, of whose deeds and traditions Europe is the heir, when we see them writhing under this hateful and merciless alien yoke, when we see their patriots striking back with every week a fiercer and more furious desperation, when we see all that, we may feel sure that we bear the sword of justice. And we are resolved to use that sword with the utmost severity to the full and to the end. I cannot go farther today than to say that it is very probable there will be heavy fighting in the Mediterranean and elsewhere before the leaves of autumn fall. For the rest, we must leave the unhappy Italians and uh, their German tempters and uh, taskmasters to anxieties which will aggravate from week to week and from month to month. This, however, I will add before I sit down. We, the United Nations, demand from the Nazi, fascist, and Japanese tyrannies unconditional surrender. <laughs> By this, we mean that their willpower to resist must be completely broken and that they must yield themselves absolutely to our justice and mercy. It also means that we must take all those far-sighted measures which are necessary to prevent the world from being again convulsed and wrecked and blackened by their calculated plots and ferocious, ferocious aggression. It does not mean, and it never can mean, that we should stain our victorious arms by inhumanity or by mere lust of vengeance or that we do not plan a world in which all branches of the human family may look forward to what the American Constitution finally calls life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. <laughs>